Hello everyone. Do you like reading? Do you like walking? Do you like thinking about your life? Then we have got something for you. Our Common Ground Pilgrimages are going to be announcing our slate of fall and winter 2020 pilgrimages on March 2nd. So if you sign up for our newsletter at readingandwalkingwith.com, you will be the first to know when registration launches and only people on our newsletter will get 30 minutes early registration access and it's first come first serve. So signing up first might mean the difference between getting a spot or not. There's less than 20 spots on each pilgrimage and one of them might be involving me and a book that we all love. So you're talking about you leading a pilgrimage with he's just not that into you? A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm there. So that's readingandwalkingwith.com. Sign up to the newsletter. Be the first to know about our pilgrimages this year. Hi, it's Casper. And Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Oh, hello, Casper. Do you remember what you were doing on January 24th? Yes. Depending on what time of the day it was, I was either having a heart attack or the time of my life. Why? What was going on? Well, we had our first ever live show in Cambridge, Massachusetts. There were 400 people in a room in a rock concert venue, which, you know, everyone goes to divinity school thinking that one day I'm going to feel like a rock star. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I mean, what was so lovely for us was to meet so many of our listeners and people came so excited just to be with one another and to gauge a Lectio Divina together. You know, Stephanie Purcell, our wonderful professor, sat in the audience and just looked around and was like, there are hundreds of people doing Lectio Divina together on a Tuesday evening. Wow. (laughs) And so, you know, we were so grateful to everyone who came. And we want to give you a sense, for those of you who couldn't be there, of what the show was like. So we're going to share the audio feed from that evening. So there are going to be a couple of wonky parts in the recording. For example, we did a little bit of a slideshow. So there's going to be some laughter that you don't necessarily hear an audio cue for. Just think of us being funny when that happens. (laughs) There was just physical comedy happening. So there are going to be a couple of moments like that. We're going to try to edit. At one point, we have the audience engage in sacred practices in groups. So we'll introduce those and then we're just going to edit over the long pause of people being together. So bear with us a little, but we hope that you enjoy this live episode. It was so fun. And we hope to come to a city near you soon because it was really one of the great joys of my life. And if you enjoy the show, we'd love to receive some of your support for our crowdfunder. We're only a week away from our deadline. So please join us at harrypottersacredtext.com. We'll be so glad for your help and support. Enjoy the show, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Chapter 18. Dobby's Reward. For a moment, there was silence as Harry, Ron, and Ginny, and Lockhart stood in the doorway, covered in muck and slime, and in Harry's case, blood. Then there was a scream. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, the live show! just us. 
Um, hi, mom. Okay. Vanessa's mom is here. She was selling you merch. Isn't she great? Let's get a round of applause for my mom. Um, a couple of other people we want to introduce you to. This is Ariana Nettleman. Um, because we cannot be trusted without her, she will be interrupting us and live editing us on stage. So you will... Just be grateful every time she interrupts us. And this is Nick Bull, our composer and musician for the night. And we're also very lucky to be joined by our dear friend and classmate, Melissa Bartholomew, who you'll meet later. So hello, Melissa. So, um, I hear there's been some great tweeting already. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, who's yes. been sending us submissions. Jen has been uh, retweeting you very actively. And um, some of you are Cambridge, Somerville, Boston locals. Hooray, locals. <laughs> some of you came from very far away. Yes. Is Who? there no culture in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> Who came from Texas? We've got Fort Worth in the house. Yes. We've got Austin in the house. Yes. We've got Florida in the house. Woo! It's amazing. We, we feel so, so lucky to have you all here. Um, you know, nearly two years ago, Vanessa and I met for the first time. And uh, we, we kind of came up with this weird plan to run a little class here in Cambridge. And we've got some people from the class. Original Harry Potter sacred text people. Yes. Um, and we, we said to one another, well... We're going to do the whole of book one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in nine months, and we'll do it even if nobody comes. And we could never have dreamed that we'd be all here tonight. So thank you so much. Yes. So. Casper, can I read some tweets? From oh, yes, you can read some tweets. Yes. Because they're amazing. Allison says, I'd go on a date with Fred or George for an awesome time, or Oliver Wood, because he's stupid hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> George. But you have to keep this a secret because my husband is here. <laughs> Angela says, my daughter says gross to the dating part, but she'd spend the day with Hermione because she's cool and not a boy. Amen. Yeah. You're perfect the way you are. Whoever said that. And finally, Ed says, my wife says Cedric Diggory. She doesn't have a smartphone. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, stay strong. Don't get one. So it's the, the top of the show, and we always tell a story. We and do. Vanessa, this week it's your turn. Oh, lucky me. And we're reading through the theme of freedom. Who brought their books with them? Good, good. Who did the reading? Very good, very good. But you all know the last chapter of book two, so over to you. Okay, thank you. Ooh, there's music. Um... So we had Sunday night movie night in my family. And one Sunday night, my parents decided to show us a true classic. And so they showed us the movie The Karate Kid. Which, for those of you don't, who don't know, spoiler alert, it's about a kid. And he does karate. So my little brother, Jonathan, he loved the movie. By the end of the movie, he was doing the kicks. And this eventually became such a thing that my parents were like, let's channel this energy in a positive way. And he was, mom, like three or four at the time. And so he started karate. And my older brother and I just watched our little brother get weaponized, you know, slowly <laughs> over weeks. And eventually we were like, this is dangerous. So we decided that we would do karate too. <laughs> So, 
in case you think the stories aren't real. <laughs> Proof. Um, and we did. We did karate for like 10 years. We went five days a week. and um, Five days a week? Five days a week. I know. And we were really into it. We like broke boards. We got invited to be on the show Body by Jake because we were three like goofy looking kids who would like jump over each other and break boards. I'm serious. Don't mess with me. Um, and then something magical happened. In The year was 1992. And another amazing film came out, this one, called Three Ninjas. <laughs> now, for those of you unlucky enough to have not seen Three Ninjas, it is a mildly racist film with fantastic fashion about three ninjas. <laughs> and it's about these three siblings who, like, do karate together, and they are, you know, three kids who do karate, love their grandpa, and are vaguely racist. And my brothers and I were three kids who loved our grandpa and tried really hard not to be racist. And so, but we loved this movie, like loved this movie. And so, you know, the oldest character in the movie is Rocky, and then there's Cole, and then there's, does anyone know? Tom Tom, that's right. Middle child, I was obviously Colt. Colt's like broody and upset. It fits. That's real. So, <laughs> But really, looking back, Three Ninjas was actually something that really freed us. You know, it was something that we saw ourselves in. It was, we saw it on a big screen and it was something that we loved and, you know, we're a little embarrassed about being so obsessed with. And it was, you know, validated through Hollywood to be on the big screen. It gave us a code to communicate with one another. You know, it gave us all these inside jokes and this sort of beautiful way to relate to one another. Nobody ever thought anybody would say about Three Ninjas. <laughs> but it validated us in our experiences and it encouraged us, right? When we were in karate, we were like, I'm gonna kick as hard as Cole. And anyway, I was reminded of that, obviously, when reading Dobby's Reward because I was reading it not just to record an episode, but for this show and through the theme of freedom. And I thought, I think that that might be why we're all here tonight and what we all love so much about Harry Potter is that we are able to see ourselves in Hermione. I know when I am scared, I, like Hermione, like to go to the library and look things up. And, you know, we all have crushes and we all need courage and we all, you know, have to fight basilisks. That's like a really universal thing that happens to us all. <laughs> and I think that by seeing ourselves... <laughs> You really, after getting this information, you want to mess with me? I know. <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk about the theme of freedom tonight with you all and how Harry Potter frees us and how we see freedom in this chapter. Casper, watch out. Thank you. I hate you. Vanessa, I love your story. <laughs> I say that every time, and Ariana's like, we have that so many times, you've got to say something else. It's like, I love your story. But I do. I My do. stories are just so lovable. <laughs> but I, I do think there is something about this text, and you know, there are so many texts that we love, but this text speaks to me, at least, in a way that other, you know, I, I try and read new books, I'm like, maybe I'll love this one as much as I love Harry Potter. And it's always like, not quite. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's true. It's true. And I think especially when, when you see your family somewhere on screen, you know, I really felt that with The Sound of Music. Um, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> you know, we'd sing together and walk through the mountains. And... 
that's partly true. Um, Casper, as much as we would love to hear you sing right now, instead, why don't you start us off with the 30-second recap? 30-second recap. Okay. You guys, this is where it gets really real. You can do it! Listen, I won the last time! I'm not crazy. And we're playing for a a very big crown. Oh, the crown of victory. <laughs> so it, it's going to depend on your cheering, okay? So you really got to be judicious in who you think does better. Ariana will take a poll at the end. You can fake clap for Casper a lot when he's done. <laughs> but I drew the short straw because I've got to go first. You do. You have okay. to go first. Vanessa, will you count him in? I yes. just need to quickly remind myself. No, that's okay. cheating. <laughs> okay. okay. Are you ready? Yep. Bring it on. On your mark. Get set. Go. Okay, so Ron, Harry, and Ginny and Lockhart come back. Um, uh, there, there is Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. It's, yeah. it's like, yay, she's safe. What happened? Just told the story. Dumbledore's like, you're fine. No one's going to get expelled. Have some hot chocolate. Um, but then he's like, oh my gosh, maybe this is the Horcrux, but we don't know that. It's happening behind seconds. the scenes. Okay, Lucius Malfoy is angry, and he's like, and um, the diary, it was me. Ah, And then um, um, Dobby is free, and they go home, and it's happy summer. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. I feel like that British accent helps you get away with murder. (laughs) British privilege. (laughs) All right, Vanessa, let's see what you got. Okay. Timer, are you ready? I'm ready. Clock, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) Are you going to ask me if I'm ready? No. No. (laughs) You were born ready. (laughs) I was born ready. Three, two, one. Go. Harry Lockhart and Ron get out of the Chamber of Secrets and Mrs. Weasley is like, oh my god, thank you for saving my daughter. And Ginny is like, I'm safe. And then Dumbledore and Harry have a really important conversation. Your stirping isn't going to confuse me. I'm fine. And it turns out that Lucius Malfoy set up Ginny. Who sets up a little girl? And then there's a feast and um, Lockhart is befuddled. And at the feast, Hagrid comes back from jail. Like, no big deal. He was in jail. And um, they all go back on the Hogwarts Express and the Dursleys are sad that Harry didn't die. That's a good 32 seconds. Ariana? Before we poll the audience, I'm going to take a second to tell you that it took me an hour to figure out how to program a 30-second <laughs> countdown. Ariana, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Who thought Casper won the 30-second recap? You're a class act, Turkile. Who thought Vanessa won the 30-second recap? When we practiced, we even practiced Vanessa winning because we knew she would. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> All right, Do Vanessa. I look amazing? I feel like I do. Okay. So, Casper. <clears throat> yes. 
do you want to start us off on our theme conversation, or should I? You should, I think. Where, where did you see this theme of freedom in this chapter? So my favorite, I don't want to say a favorite. Okay, so a moment that I really love in this chapter is the famous line, right? This is where we get one of the most famous Harry Potter lines of it is not... I don't know exactly what it is. It's your choices who define you, right? right. Dumbledore and Harry have this beautiful heart-to-heart. -heart, and Harry says, I'm worried that um, I'm supposed to be in Slytherin. And Dumbledore says, well, you're not because you chose to be in Gryffindor. And it's your choices that really define you. And I see that, I don't know, I see that as very freeing, right? Your choices for the rest of your life are going to define who you are. And I also see that as really terrifying, right? It's like, oh, it's all up to me. <laughs> Um, so I was wondering what you thought about that and where you saw that line of freedom. Yeah. I mean, there's def it's, it's definitely kind of an agency feeling, right? It's an empowering feeling. But, you know, there's also something that he didn't choose, which is the fact that he's a Horcrux. Um, and, right? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, it's been 20 years. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but so there are some things that we can't choose, right? When we don't always have that freedom. So it, but some things we do. So I, no, I take your point. I take your point. But there's, what does that tell us about freedom? That some things, that we get some things to choose and some things we don't get to choose. Right. So Dumbledore says it is our choices far, far more than our abilities. Right. Right. That define who we are. Right. It just seems like a false promise of a grown up. <laughs> Like, really? Ooh, that's like, not the first time that's been said about Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, I'm 5'2". Like, there are certain, right? Like, there are certain careers that are off to me. And, like, NBA, it's not going to happen. Like, so it's not, I could make all the choices right. to be the best basketball player in the world. And, right. like, that is just, like, that's not true. And right. forget adding things like poverty into the mix or health right. or, right? Like, I, that's a very sweet thing to say. I hate to play the white male privilege card this early in the show. I like to save it for later. But I just feel like this is like, these are like two white men having this conversation That's and true. like in a big castle. And so like, <laughs> like, easy for you to say, it's your choices that define you. It's like, well, not if I have clinical depression and can't get out of bed. And like, here's your silver spoon. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. No, and there's that's... a feast. Wait. Oh my God, sorry. On that point, when Dumbledore is like, Jenny needs to see the nurse. She's been cursed. I think some chocolate ought to do the trick. I'm like, you patronizing jerk. There's a qualified nurse upstairs. Why don't we let... It? Okay, sorry. But back to Dumbledore and Harry. <laughs> Can I complicate Wait, this a little yes, bit? Yeah, because yes. right before they talk about this is when he tells Harry that Voldemort has put some of himself right, into right, Harry. Right. So they there is this great moment of saying, you know, you have, you are a personal mouth because of Harry, because of Voldemort. And I so just, the I text acknowledges right. the yeah. idea that it's not all up to Harry, right? Right. And he says it's right. It's our choices far more than our abilities, not and like not our abilities. Can I try it? All? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're gonna look great. Um, <laughs> Casper, where is somewhere else that you saw? Well, Casper, oh, yeah, yeah no, I you feel produce, like Casper, not me. Casper, you have a point about Dobby that actually connects really well yeah. here. Well, so, I mean, the, the beautiful liberation that we see in this chapter is, of course, of Dobby, right? There's this clever move that Harry creates of putting the sock in the book and then Lucius throws the, you know, the book away and he catches the sock. He's like, Dobby is free! And it's this amazing moment. But the, I've always read that very simply. It's like, oh, Harry frees Dobby. But... To me, it seemed like this, 
something a little more going on because it's not Lucius's clothing, first of all. So I, I wonder if Dobby is like stretching the realities. <laughs> like it's some piece of clothing. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, but there's there's something very cool where he's like he's making the meat. Like he's the one who says, you know. Master, like whatever the Master Harry has 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 set Dobby free, and so he's claiming that freedom. Like he's the one who who says that I am now free. So there's this amazing piece of agency in that. But at the same time, oh, this is where it gets really complicated for me because we we hear in the story we see Dobby become free and it's beautiful. But at the same time, Lucius, who has basically just acknowledged that he put the you know he put the diary in the cauldron, he has made all of this happen. He basically kidnapped a little girl exactly yeah he gets off scotch free and so i like it made me think about like you you win a little battle and you get all the cameras on this good news story and then secretly like bp or monsanto or whatever like giant corporate entity like just pays a little fine and gets away with it and and dumbledore doesn't even challenge him you know he says like like, oh we'd never catch you or something like that arthur weasley sure would be mad exactly and it's like arrest the gosh darn guy like come on you're Dumbledore um and it I don't know it just made me it made me think about like there's different levels of justice and like here's someone who's super powerful okay he's no longer on the board fine but he's going back to his scary Malfoy manner and like he's got all sorts of stuff there right (laughs) yep thanks (laughs) yes um, I can pull out a few things that I particularly I loved about what you said. One is um, you're watching it happen live, folks. This is yeah. now. We didn't know what we were going to say. That's yeah. half the fun. Um, I love the idea that it's partially Dobby's agency and that he might even be stretching sort yeah. of like what like case law would say about right. this. Thanks, Amanda, my lawyers <laughs> in the audience. Um, by lawyer, I mean friend, but you know. Um, <laughs> Like, right, how much precedent is there for a house elf having a boy wonder and, like, throw him a dirty thought, right? Like, but he's like, I'm taking it. Right. (laughs) It's mine. So I wonder if there is something to be learned from in that, in that freedom. I mean, it's why freedom is so hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's in order to be free, you're acknowledging a power dynamic. Somebody has to grant you your freedom, but you also have to be grabbing it. Um, well, this is the thing that got me really excited because I'm still at a loss about the power of house elves, right? Because as soon as he's claimed that freedom and Lucius is like, I'm going to get you. And then Dobby's like, no, you won't. Uh, And like, he's propelled back and, and, and he's had that power maybe all of this time, but this is the moment when he chooses to exercise it. And there's just like, I don't know. It just has so much to say about like the March on Saturday, for example. For example. (laughs) Right? that power is just there and then something happens right and then it's that's visible cool. yeah and it's and it's claimed like yeah that's a cool feeling like can you imagine dobby after so many years it's just like oh <laughs> yeah oh, and then it's so disappointing i mean i feel like the rest of the books we're gonna learn more about how complicated freedom right. is because dobby goes out and like needs to organize and get other people like no no this freedom thing and still can't make a living wait. Right. Anyway. Well, if Winky if Winky had caught that sock, or, or Winky might not even have wanted to catch it, but, like, would Winky have said, I'm free? No, she, I feel like, would have felt, like, 
that was an oppression, right? That her safety net had been taken away and that right. her like sense of purpose has been taken away. Right. Well, can we talk, so can we talk about Hagrid? Do it. Oh. Okay, okay. so talk about freedom. <laughs> yes. Hagrid gets freed from prison in this chapter. I'm free. <laughs> no, he doesn't get to say that no. because it, that's it. It's like Harry doesn't know what his favorite part of tonight is. Is it the fudge or the fact that Hagrid was freed from prison or the fact that Hermione gave him a compliment? Oh, what's my favorite? It's like this throwaway right. moment. When that's a huge deal. That, yeah, was like a pretty big deal right. that Hagrid gets out of prison. Right. For something he not only never did, but like Cornelius Fudge, while arresting him, was like, we know you didn't do it, but you got to come to prison anyway. Like, so casual. So, like, that, I'm wondering what that says to us about, like, systems of... That we don't even look at something like right. that. Like, mm. there's yeah. just, like, this invisible, like, right. huge freedom. Like, it's a giant in the room gets right. freed. And everybody's just like, feast, no finals. Right. <laughs> And, you know, especially as this is a little hint of what's to come in The Prisoner of Azkaban, which season three will be starting later this spring. Uh, it's so fun to know you listen, you guys. <laughs> I'm like, my mom has never read Harry Potter. And this, and like, she doesn't listen to podcasts. And so I always kind of like that my parents, like, have no real idea of what I do. They're like, he's in America. Who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> century Russian no. caricature. That's a Dutch accent. <laughs> yes, hello, hello. Um, but this time, like my mom is, my mom is an amazing woman. She loves to write, and um, so she 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 went to France in a camper van on an island without any sort of internet. But she downloaded all of the episodes before she left, and she came back. She was like, "Darling, it's it's really good." <laughs> so now I know that my mom listens too. Okay, that was all. Public. Yes, you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, an adorable story, but can you respond to her point about Hagrid? And... Uh, yes, it's an important point. You're allowed to think about it. I also think that it's so characteristic of Hagrid not to try and put his story at the center in a way. I don't know, like, he's yeah. so generous always. And, you know, as soon as he came back, I'm sure that he didn't even, like, want to share some of the stories that, of his experience, right? The Dementals are at Azkaban. This is a horrible place. And he still wants to protect Harry and Hermione yeah. and Ron. And so he, he probably just came back and wanted to ask about how they're doing. Like, it's amazing. This wasn't me being anti-Hagrid. Oh, okay. This is me being... <laughs> See how I did that? <laughs> Slytherin. <laughs> Black belt and karate. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. Um... Can we talk about the the other place that I saw freedom? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. She doesn't like where we landed on Hagrid. I know. What are we missing? What, what, what smart things should we say? So we're talking about the moment when Hagrid returns, yeah. but what about the moment when Dumbledore sits down to write the letter to get Hagrid back? Right. Because, well, this is to your previous point, because he would have to tell Cornelius Fudge that it was actually Malfoy's... Well, I get... Yeah. So why doesn't Malfoy get arrested? Because white male privilege. Right. Just saying. I didn't even think about that. He because would have to explain. Yeah. Harry and Ron's word is enough right. to make Ginny innocent in this, right? They saw what they saw. Right. And it's enough to get Hagrid out of prison, but it's not enough to get Lucius Malfoy punished. Into prison. Right. right. That seems about right. Actually, it doesn't. It doesn't seem right. It seems enough to get a kid out of trouble, but not enough to spring right. a guy out of jail. 
but Dumbledore's word, Dumbledore believe. Like there's a there's enough power in Dumbledore believing the kids that they can get. Right. Good close reading. Ariana. Casper, you had enough. Okay, so the final thing I want to say. So Lockhart, I love Lockhart. We don't get told what color robe he's wearing this time, sadly. I'm sure it was like a lovely mint green or something. Um, He has impeccable taste. But, (laughs) you know, we actually see a freeing of Lockhart when he loses, it's kind of weird, he loses his memory. And when when someone says, you know, Professor Lockhart, he's like, was I a professor? Gosh, I was probably really awful, <laughs> which he was. Um, but like, he is freed of of the like the, the stress that he felt to 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 like achieve and be the best, and like he can just embrace his humility in this moment. And I, I don't know. I saw that as kind of a you know. He, I mean, he's also freed from all of the crimes that he's committed in his head. Right? He can't remember what he's done. And, and I don't know the ethics of that, right? Because plenty of people are still suffering from their memory charm. Um, but I don't know. There was something about like, it felt like a mask was lifted and we finally got to see the real Lockhart who was kind of sweet. Right? Well, so, yeah. I mean, I love the moment where um, Dumbledore says to Lockhart, like, fell on your own, own sword there, didn't you, Gilderoy? And Gilderoy's like, I don't have a sword, but, but he, he does. does. <laughs> and I'm sure he'd share it with you. I'm like, you're so sweet and innocent. But um, if who you are is your choices and not your abilities, right. then Lockhart is his years and years of choices. That's and true. just the fact that he forgot them does not free him from them. Mm. Right? At like, least not of our perceptions of him. Right. I... It's annoying to me. I'm like, really? You don't remember that you did this, this exact thing that we're witnessing to hundreds of people or however many people and robbed the stories of other people? And he was willing to... to sacrifice. Do, to kids. sacrifice these two children. Okay, what I take is it back. With I the take sacrificing it back. <laughs> of children. And, no, but there is... I think that he is somehow... Like, he's somehow returned to a state before he became obsessed with fame, Ooh. right? So he is given this sort of second chance-ish. It's just an incredibly complicated yeah. second chance. Can we talk about Hermione? Do we have a minute to talk about Hermione? Yeah, but it'll be our, our last Every point. Every time. Every time. Always <laughs> Hermione. Well, I just want to stick up for Hermione. I feel like there's a moment here. She finds out that finals have been canceled. And Hermione's like, darn it. And I want to stand up for Hermione in this moment. I'm sorry. As a former teacher. And are there educators in the yes, room? Yes. Round of applause for all the educators in the room. <laughs> yeah. The point of exams for all of you children in the room are not to, it's not to torture children. It is to make sure that they learned, to get them to study in order to like make the information concrete, right? So like the kids are like freed from learning. Like, they're freed from finals, but they're just, they're, like, being freed from their education, which they have put a year of effort into. I find this, like, really upsetting, especially because Dumbledore is the one who cancels exams. And, yeah, hold it. And McGonagall, just the chapter before, is like, no, you're still going to have exams because that's the whole reason we kept the school open. And so a woman had to be a hard ass, and then a man gets to come in and be like, no exams for anyone. Okay. And then, okay. Part of me thinks, however, that it's actually the teachers who are like, I don't want to deal with that marking. You take it easy, kids. <laughs> I think that's what's really... McGonagall's like, 
you must do exams. No, it's fine. It's fine. I I want to go on vacation. I've got my tickets. Not hard booked. year. No, exactly. Okay. Fine. Somewhere in the middle, maybe. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, I think. What's next? It's we have a, an ad. We have an ad. We have sponsors now. <laughs> you guys, you guys are amazing for sitting through them. Yeah. But <clears throat> on with the show. <laughs> um, we are so blessed to be joined by a very special guest uh, this evening. Melissa Bartholomew is a former classmate of ours at the Divinity School at Harvard. She is an amazing woman. She is a racial justice and healing uh, professional. I will put it that way. She is a lawyer, a lay Baptist minister, trainee social worker, and a PhD student at Boston College. And we've invited her to share a story from her own life on the theme of freedom. Melissa. Good evening. Catherine Vanessa asked me to talk about freedom and slavery um, from a personal context. And I kind of feel like I don't want to be Debbie Downer talking about like. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about the concept of freedom um, as a descendant of, of Africans who were enslaved in this country. And I'm going to tell a personal story and I'll tie it to the text. Um, I'm going to go back to the first text. So, Every summer, my family on my father's side has a family reunion. My grandfather, who is 96, almost 97, had seven brothers, and he and his brothers grew up in a small town in Virginia. And I learned recently more about my grandfather's grandfather, who, is my, who would, be, would have been my great-great-grandfather, um, and his wife, and their names are Susan and Moses Wood. And I've been pondering this question. Susan and Moses Wood were enslaved Africans um, in Virginia. I've been pondering this question about freedom for the last two years now. And the question is, what does it mean to be born free but not into freedom? What does it mean to be a person who was born free but not into freedom? So when you talk about issues of agency and choice, I think about my ancestors who did not have a choice, did not have choice or freedom over their bodies, did not have choice or freedom over the right, to, the ability to read or to think or to do anything that was not controlled by their masters, but had to embody freedom. So as I've been pondering this question, I've had the blessing of having conversations with my grandfather and making trips to Virginia. And a couple of years ago, Right before I started my current program uh, at, in social work, my focus is on racial trauma. And so that summer, I was talking to my cousins about my anticipated inquiry into racial trauma and the concept of generational trauma, the concept that we uh, have this trauma that's been passed down from my ancestors that we embody. And I was really animated because I'm excited about it. One morning after breakfast, one of my cousins took us on an excursion to the plantation where my great-great-grandparents were enslaved. And I had been to that plantation before as a child, and I had it vaguely in my memory, but was so excited that now as an adult, and now I could take my child and my husband, I could go and really have a fuller experience of what it was like to be on this plantation. So when we were on the plantation in Virginia, I remember standing there 
and very clearly getting this sense from my ancestors and their presence. And this word came to me. The message was remember that even though, yes, you do embody the generational trauma, don't forget about the generational freedom that you embody. Don't forget about the generational faith that you embody and the generational love that you embody. What my ancestors reminded me of on that day was the power of their ability to remember that to be born free, but not into freedom, there was a requirement that they remained rooted and grounded in love. My great-great-grandfather was also a minister, and my grandfather, who's also a minister, would tell me the stories about his faith, his grandfather's faith, his grandmother's faith in God and their love of God, in spite of the fact that they were enslaved people. So when I was reading the first text, there's a passage at the end that really struck me. And it's a conversation that Dumbledore is having with Harry about the power of his mother's love and how that love is what has been surrounding him and fueling him. And I want to read just a portion of that. It's at the end of the, the first book. Your mother died to save you. If there is one thing that Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love, as powerful as your mother's for you, leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign, to have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is in your very skin. And when I read that, I thought about my ancestors, my grandparents, and how strong their love was for me. Even though they didn't know if they would be free, their love was so strong that it connected them to their freedom, and they had this vision that one day their children and their children's children would be here. And that love enabled them to embody that freedom and transcend their condition of oppression. So what does it mean to be born free and not into freedom? It means that you can embody freedom fueled by a powerful love that will enable you to transcend any level of oppression. So the message is that we all have that love, that powerful love that's been passed down because we're here, regardless of what our story is. So that love is in our skin and we can't see it. And just like when Harry put on that, we put on the, the robe and become invisible and he'd see the, the ancestors behind him, we have our ancestors with us all around. I feel them. I know that they're guiding me and their love is what animates me and keeps me grounded and rooted no matter what is going on in the world because their love is what makes us free. Thank you.
Thank you, Melissa. And we should say, Melissa is here with, with her little daughter, who has read, oh, she's nine, Ella, hello, who's read she's all read seven all books. Yes. So I, I think we're going to invite you, uh, Melissa, to join us for a little Lectio Divina. Would, would you join us? As we, as we think of this theme of freedom, um, and thank, thank you for your story. It was beautiful. And uh, I, I, I love that freedom is grounded in love. I'm gonna, that's something I'm going to stick with. I'm, it's going to stick with me is what I want to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so we're, we know that some of you don't believe us that we pick a sentence at random when we do Lectio Divina. So um, we would like it if somebody could please from the audience... Yeah. And we were going to like, yeah, Casper, point someone out. Okay. Sir, if you could please pick a number between 241 and 251. 247. 247. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. And then somebody else, Casper, who? Can you please pick a number between one? And it looks like there are like eight paragraphs on this page. Six. So one, two, three, four, five. Six. Okay, so the sentence that we have is, so Lectio Divina, sorry, I should yeah. probably introduce our spiritual practice. Oh, yeah. So Lectio Divina is a spiritual practice, and the two professors who um, taught us how to do Lectio Divina well, and from who we have bastardized their beautiful tradition, are right up front, Stephanie Paulsell and Matt Potts. Thanks, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, so it's a four-step process in which you analyze a sentence or even a word. Um, typically from the Christian Bible, but or Harry Potter. And you meditate on, we're going to do a full sentence, so you meditate on what that sentence is on four steps, and we'll walk you through what the four steps are. But the sentence was, Mr. Malfoy went even paler than usual, but his eyes were still slits of fury. I'll read it one more time. Mr. Malfoy went even paler than usual, but his eyes were still slits of fury. So step one of Lectio Divina, Casper, can you please tell us just literally what is happening in the sentence? Yeah, I think at this point, um, he's been confronted um, with the truth that he put the diary, Tom Riddle's Horcrux, into um, Ginny's Cauldron. And so he's, he's exposed and he's keeping his composure but we can see that he is furious, that he's been found out. Um, both, of course, that, that Ginny is safe, that Tom Riddle has not, you know, come back in full body uh, as Lord Voldemort. But, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the second stage, um, as you can see, of Lectio Divina is, is to start to think allegorically, like what symbols or um, images, you know, what words strike you, what stories does it remind you of? Um, so I think we should, we should hear the sentence again. Mr. Malfoy went even paler than usual, but his eyes were still slits of fury. Do you want to have a go at that, Vanessa? Yeah. I don't know if this is right. But slits of fury reminds me of um, of a serpent and um, right like the, um, a snake tempting even the garden. So right, this is. I mean, it also obviously snakes remind me of Voldemort and of the basilisk, right? So I feel like this is a clear sign that Mr. Malfoy is on the dark side, no matter how he's acting in this moment. But biblically, that's what it reminds me of. What did it remind you of, Melissa? Well, 
well, listening to your powerful interpretation, I can think of like the contrast between his his body, you know, the, the going pale. So like his body was having a reaction, but his eyes were saying something different. So that struggle, that tension between, you know, what he was really feeling and what he was trying to resist. Like the eyes are the windows of the soul, that kind of thing, right? That there's truth in eyes, even when there's hiding in the body. Right. Kind of thing, right? Can you read it one more time, Vanessa? I feel like there's more juice in here. Mr. Malfoy went even paler than usual, but his eyes were still slits of fury. I mean, I'm also struck by his name, right? Because we know that in this story, names mean a lot. And Malfoy, there's something like mal means bad in French, right? So there's already like, there's something powerful in his name. And and uh, there's something about the word still. So, it, you know, it's not that he's changing completely, like he's suddenly guilty. He's been guilty all along, but it's deepened or it's been opened up in some way. Like there's there's just more of him on show in some way. Like he can't hide. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. I, I would agree because that the part that says paler than usual means right. like there's been this struggle. So he's been like, you know, he's been going through this before and resisting, but now paler than usual suggests that there's even more of a struggle. Right. Okay. So step three of Lectio Divina is what did this sentence remind you of in your own life? Yes, I will read it one more time. Mr. Malfoy went even paler than usual, but his eyes were still slits of fury. The the thing that I'm reminded of um, is, you know, when you really love someone and they really annoy you. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear you. (laughs) And you're like... Yes, but my eyes are saying no. <laughs> but there's that, you know, when you, when you want to control how you're reacting and it's just, like the feeling is just bigger than your control and it's st- like, I feel like I have that all the time. And <laughs> sorry, darling, I don't know where you're sitting. <laughs> you have to deal with that all the time. And I'm changing it a little bit from the text, but even when we have the right intention, you know, and, and then that kind of fearfulness still grips us and, and our physical reaction gives away, you know, what, what is true, but even, even if there's something truer underneath that we just need a moment to get to, you know, like just a little patience or a little time or a little walk, and then you come back to the conversation. So I, I don't know, I'm just thinking of that, like how my, how my own body can react even when my mind wants to react differently or my heart wants to react differently. Um, that's kind of abstract. I agree. I mean, I, and I think also to it can be the opposite. Like you're you're faced with a situation that's really challenging, and and your body is is under control, but then your emotions are just like you just start weeping, you know. And when I think about like the challenges of today, and just there's so many examples of of, of violence and uh, that are all around us, you know, I can move through the world pretty controlled. But there are moments when I just start weeping. So my eyes will reveal something that's contrary to what my body is presenting. What I'm reminded of are the moments where I get caught doing, like, having, like, saying something nasty or... (laughs) (laughs) Or... um, 
Yeah, like when I'm embarrassed. And that feeling of like when I'm embarrassed, it like goes right to my gut, right? I get very hot and then I just feel sick. And because I can be a proud person, right, you like don't want to back down, right? And so it's, you know, double down on whatever idiotic thing it was that I just did to embarrass myself. So that's the right where I know in my gut I've done something, but I've like committed my eyes to not betraying me. I'm a good person. (laughs) This is what a Hufflepuff looks like. So let's let's move to step four of Lectio. And I'm just interested, like, does anyone do Lectio at home now? Do any people maybe with a friend? Yes, I'm seeing some hands. You are brave, wonderful people. I like that. I, I mean, we, we, we get to check the inbox of all the people who write to us, which is so nice. And um, last week, someone sent an email saying, every Sunday night, I get on the phone with my sister and we do Lectio with a passage from Harry Potter. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> So I'm just saying, you can do this at home. Um, okay, stage four. So stage four is, you know, traditionally was the language would have been, what is God calling you to do? And we always say, what is the text asking of us? Um, so what are we being invited to do? Maybe to think differently, to act differently, to reflect on something. Um, so Vanessa, what, what is this? Maybe let's read it one more time. Mr. Malfoy went even paler than usual, but his eyes were still slits of fury. I mean, what it should call me to do is when I feel embarrassed in my gut, let my face show it too, right? Be like, look, I don't know what I just did, but I think I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to feel about this tomorrow. Can I have a day? I'm slow. I'm like super slow at processing thoughts. So... But I got to say, so yes, that is what I should be called to do. And I'll try. But that feels like giving up a lot of power, which sometimes I'm not, right, like, people can take advantage of that. So here's what I'm called to do. I'm definitely called to doing that with people who I trust and love, and even to stretching past that to people who I think maybe I can trust and should love. (laughs) But I'm not going to just start telling everybody I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm not sorry. You should not be supportive of that. It's all right. We're all human. Um, Melissa, is there anything that you feel called to? Or? I, th- I think, you know, going back to the, the whole theme of, of mm. self-control, I th- actually, I think what you're talking about is the ability to control your emotions um, but not suppress them, which was really powerful. What she said. <laughs> That's what I meant. So I'm called to continue practices that help me with that. So just continue to be faithful and consistent in my meditation and prayer practices that help me maintain mm. um, self-control in those moments when I'm, like, pissed off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to react from that space of pissed offness mm-hmm. would not be productive. Right. This, okay, so... I think what's really happening in this passage is that Lucius is smizing. He's like... (laughs) I think that's really what's going on. And you all know my love for RuPaul's Drag Race. Are there any other fans in the house? Yes! So I feel that is what I'm called called to, is just practicing the smize. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Okay. 
You guys were deep. I was like, okay. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. We love you. So um, we have one other special guest tonight. We um, did a middle school essay contest. And um, we got several submissions from all over the country. And um, we got some really beautiful submissions. And the winner of the essay contest has graced us with his presence tonight. So what we asked um, our, our contestants to do is to do a Lectio Divina with um, a sentence about Dobby being freed. And I'm going to read this beautiful sentence that our winner wrote. So this is what he wrote for what he was called to. So this is for step four of Lectio Divina. Like Harry Potter protects everybody, this passage inspires me to help keep everybody safe and in a safe environment. It makes me want to become someone who is more confident in myself and be more, th be more than I know I can be, like Harry Potter. So we had a little ceremony backstage um, before the show, but we just want to ask him to stand now Kenny. and get Kenny. He's yes. right up front. Kenny's your nose. And Kenny, Kenny brought his parents and his sister as well, and Lauren, his teacher. So we are so, so glad they're all here. Thank you all for coming. Kenny is now also our best looking model for the t-shirt. Yes. So thank you, Kenny. <laughs> it is, it is true. So how is everyone doing? Everyone good? Okay. See, we had no idea if like this would make sense, but it seems to be going okay, right? Okay, good. <laughs> um, so for those listening to the show, you know we have all sorts of different spiritual practices. And I'm very excited because when we go back into the studio next week, we're doing a new spiritual practice called Floraleggia. I know. It's not, <laughs> it's not a new spiritual practice in the world. No, no. It's new to us. <laughs> like, we haven't done it before. But it's been around for a long time. A long time. But... Our next spiritual practice is one that you know um, is sacred imagination. Who remembers that one? Yes. yes. So this time, um, of course, you know, St. Ignatius from the 16th century. If you don't know his story, it's really worth learning because he was, um, you know, he founded the Jesuit order, which he's known for. But before he kind of had his religious conversion, he was a soldier. And he fought all over Europe. And then one day he was um, in, in a battle and he was hit in the legs uh, by a cannonball. Um, so that, you know, took him out for a little while, um, and as it would, um, and as he lay recovering, um, this wonderful kind of friend or spiritual director, uh, engaged him in, in the practice called contemplation of imagining, you know, imagining himself into Bible stories, especially the stories in the gospels. And he was, he was taken by this practice. You know, and you can imagine if, if you're just lying there recovering, to, to be transported to another place is a, is a powerful thing. And so he became famous as a spiritual director and as a, a kind of trainer of young Jesuits um, in, in this skill. And so we've kind of adapted it and, uh, and use, uh, labeled it sacred imagination. And we will, we will use it. And I picked out a little passage. And Vanessa, I'm hoping that you might uh, uh, help me with this because the first thing we need to, this is where the audience participation piece comes in. So we would love it 
Um, if you would pick somebody in the audience, just make eye contact with someone nearby. Really try to maybe do someone who you don't know, if you can. I hate talking to people I don't know, but you'd be better than me. So just pick someone and tell them why, what brought you here tonight. So what brought me here tonight was, you know, my he perfectly healthy obsession with a young woman with bushy hair who loves to read. Um, and like really loving Hermione. And I feel like that would have brought me out even if I wasn't contractually obligated. So turn to a neighbor and just talk about what it is that brought you here tonight. So I, I hope you all met someone nice, or if you came in with them, they're still nice. Um, I'm, what I'm going to do now is I, I'm going to read the passage, and uh, Vanessa will then uh, ask you to reflect in your pair on, on what you kind of imagined, what you could see. I don't uh, know what the passage is. No, nobody knows except me well, and, and Ariana. Um, so, Vanessa, I'm going to ask you would, you, would you feel comfortable closing your eyes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. I do. And if any of you feel comfortable, you know, sometimes it helps to let your imagination wander by closing your eyes. So I invite you. Thank you, lighting team. <laughs> All right. So this is a passage from the chapter that we read. But Ginny, said Mrs. Weasley, what's our Ginny got to do with, with him? His diary, Ginny sobbed. I've been writing in it. And he's been writing back all year. Ginny, said Mr. Weasley, flabbergasted. Haven't I taught you anything? What have I always told you? Never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. <laughs> Why didn't you show the diary to me or your mother? A suspicious object like that. It was clearly full of dark magic. I didn't know, sobbed Ginny. I found it inside one of the books Mum got me. I th thought someone had just left it in there and forgotten about it. Mrs. We Miss Weasley should go up to the hospital wing straight away, Dumbledore interrupted in a firm voice. This has been a terrible ordeal for her. There will be no punishment. Older and wiser wizards than she have been hoodwinked by Lord Voldemort. He strode over to the door and opened it. Bed rest and perhaps a large steaming mug of hot chocolate. I always find that cheers me up, he added, twinkling kindly, looking down at her. So as you hear that passage, just reflect on what you saw, what you smelled, what you tasted, what you touched, and, uh, and turn to your partner and share maybe something that struck you that you hadn't noticed before in that text. So we'll give you a couple of minutes just to share both ways. Something that you sensed from that passage. So, Casper, we've only put one person to sleep who I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Um, who? Were there any people imagining themselves into Ginny? Yeah, a couple of people. Ginny. What about one of the Weasleys? Mr. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley. Any Dumbledores in the room? Yeah. What about some people who are kind of flies on the wall, seeing it all happen? Yeah, number of you. What, what about you, Vanessa? What did you What did you sense? Yeah, you didn't pick an easy passage. I didn't. So oh, I, I didn't pick it. No, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's the other practice quote. <laughs> we love them, don't we? Um, so first, I was very much in Ginny's mind, and what I felt was this overwhelming feeling of adults are making a decision for me. Like she doesn't get right. And she's like watching her fate sort of be 
ping-ponged around this room of like, oh, this person's mad at me for this. This person's mad at me for this. Am I going to get expelled? Am I going to die from being infected from this diary, right? And like her mounting panic and just helplessness. And then I really felt with, you know, when you moved into Molly and Arthur, this like, you know, talking really fast because it's like, we did everything we could to protect you. I taught you all of these lessons and why are you, right? Like this like realization of the lack of control that you have over your children and that you can't, like you can teach them all the lessons and still not protect them. And then what, guys, I ended up empathizing with Dumbledore. I'm not proud of it. But I got into his head and I imagined myself into his head. I'm okay. I wasn't anyway, poor Dumbledore. He's like, you don't know me. Fair Dumbledore. Um, but I imagine that he, I think there's great wisdom in the way that he handles this. He is watching like so many emotions unfold in front of him and he's watching all this panic happen. And he seems to be the person in the room who can notice that the worst is over, that the, you know, that the storm has passed and he sort of calls scene on it. He's like, okay, actually, everybody is fine. And, you know, you should go to the hospital, but you probably, all you're going to need in the hospital is a nap and some chocolate and then a party and you'll be fine. <laughs> and I think that, and he manages to do that without insulting the seriousness of their experience, right? Anybody who gets upset knows that being like told, everything's fine, calm down, is like the worst thing (laughs) to be told. So he doesn't seem to be doing that. He seems to be saying like, you need something, but it's not as bad as you think. Like, you're safe now. And I I love that he lifts up Ginny by saying, you know, much more skilled, older wizards have succumbed to something like this. Like, it's, you're not bad that this happened to you. It's not your fault. And and you survived. Like, you're strong. Yeah. Ariana, you looked like you had something to say. I did. Um, Earlier in our show, you kind of (laughs) laughed at Dumbledore for offering hot chocolate to Ginny in the face of her trauma. And I'm wondering if, how you're reconciling those feelings. Yeah, no. With Grace and humility. Um, it really annoys, it still annoys me that I feel like he could benefit from some I statements. Like if he just said, I think you should go to the hospital wing, but I think perhaps maybe all you need is some hot chocolate. But he's like, Madam Pomfrey, that's, am I misquoting him? Does he say that? Oh, okay. With grace no, and humility. It's it's more, it's more like when you say, I feel so it's like when you come back from a traumatic basilisk attack, I say that I think you would benefit from, from He some doesn't chocolate. even says I like hot chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good for him. He's modeling it. I, I hate him a little bit less. Sacred imagination works. See, that's Someone what we're going who... for. Empathy. <laughs> Like, now that I got in his head, I'm like, oh, I I still think it's, whatever, I'm an alarmist. I think it's possible that she's injured and you shouldn't promise someone that all they need is chocolate. But he's an authority figure. So even though he didn't technically promise, like, saying all you're going to need is hot chocolate, like, makes them think that all they're going to need is hot chocolate. And, like, maybe she has been infected with something. And it's cool. We can medical. cut it from the show. Yeah, That's no. Cool. <laughs> I'm just saying he shouldn't Get promise. 
Order a drink. A rant like this gets edited out of every show. Check your phone. <laughs> I, I don't think... Okay, let's say that Dumbledore does think that Ginny has suffered some trauma. What should he recommend for her in this moment? I think he should acknowledge... I know... I think he should acknowledge that hot chocolate is going to help in this moment, but that what happened is a really big deal, right? So like, okay, so I'm too close to this, right? I have a theoretically, I have a student <laughs> who comes to me and is sitting in my living room that they were sexually assaulted the night before. I'm not going to be like, do you know what's really going to help? Some hot chocolate. It always makes me feel better, right? Like, I'm going to say like, do you want a hug? Like, hugs make me feel better when I feel traumatized. Do you want hot chocolate? That makes me feel better. That is what he says. And, and but this is a long road. Right, I know tomorrow. we're going to have to do a lot of things in order to deal, right? Like, there's an and that I feel like is missing here. And it's missing because we have to get to Harry, whatever, plot device. We don't care about authorial intent, so that's not why. Where it's missing... It's troubling to me that it's missing, that the and moment is missing. I think the immediate comforty thing is great, but Ginny has been like cyber stalked for a whole book in front of every, like kidnapped and brainwashed in front of hundreds of people for nine months. Her parents had no idea. She was just almost killed. And I don't think he's making a big enough deal out of it. Casper. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what, my reading of it is... Now I'm talked back to my previous yeah. self. <laughs> I can do this but all I night. Th I think, you know, I think Dumbledore offers the, the chocolate piece, and I think Madame Pomfrey, although we don't see it in the pages, is probably the person who comes with the and piece when she's, you know, settled and says, when she wakes up, all right, Ginny, now we've got to start this, this bigger yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it would be nice if, like... I also think it's really beautiful when the top authority figure... I wish he said, like, I actually don't know everything we need to do to help you, but I know that I would probably want some hot chocolate right now, so we're definitely going to do that, and then we'll see. It's not enough. My Albus Dumbledore, never enough. <laughs> that is my new great never enough. I will say, watching Dumbledore run that school, I'm like, I never want to be in a position of leadership. That looks so hard, and jerks like me from the outside or criticizing you like it looks it looks like a lot of work they say that leadership is the art of disappointing people at a rate they can stand <laughs> vanessa right. it's uh yeah vanessa who are you blessing we know it's not dumbledore right? <laughs> yeah. it's time for our blessings vanessa who receives your blessing this week i would like to bless molly weasley because she has this wonderful moment. She, first of all, this poor woman is sitting there for however long a chapter is in real time, <laughs> thinking that her daughter is dead. Um, and then her daughter comes out, and you know she obviously embraces Ginny, but then she embraces both Ron and Harry equally. And she... I, I just... I want to bless anybody who welcomes somebody into their family with as much love as they have for their own family. And it's just this moment of like absolute equality. She takes both boys in her arms. And it's sad because I think it's the stark contrast, you know, the Weasleys and the Dursleys of how Harry could be treated. Um, and so I just want to bless Molly for even in a moment of absolute trauma, embracing someone as if they were her own child. 
So always blessings for Molly Weasley. Casper, who would you like to bless this week? Dumbledore? <laughs> My blessing is for Dobby. Um, I, I don't know. I think like Dobby is a bit of a model of what we all need to be right now. Um, he's courageous. He's, you know, he, he claims something. He claims his freedom. He's, he's committed to this. He has, he has been like for this day for so long. And he has been, you know, even, even in his like limited freedom before he was trying to help Harry, he was trying to stop bad things happening. And now that he is free, he is embracing his power to stop Lucius Malfoy slash Donald Trump. Like with, with, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) yeah, I'm like, you go Dobby. That's how I want to, I want to be like that in this moment. Um, so yeah, a blessing for Dobby and all of us who are standing for what is right and, and not afraid, not afraid to say no. Yeah. Here, here. You want to start? Yeah. So we are so grateful that you all came. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for, for listening to the show. Thank you for sending us emails. Thank you for sending... Who sent in a voicemail over the last couple of months? Yes! Thank you for your voicemails. We, we love them so much. Um, this whole production would not have been possible without so many people. So we're going to say a few thank yous. Um, Vanessa, would you like to, to start? Yes. Oh, you... yes. Wait. This was Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. <laughs> <laughs> Produced by me, Casper Terkyle, Vanessa Zoltan, and Ariana Nettleman. We are going to hang out here by the merch stand and at the bar. If you want to hang out afterwards, please come up and say hello. We are so grateful that you came. We want to say a big thank you to Andrew and Clay for setting this whole thing up and the amazing staff at the Middle East. Um, I can't believe I actually get to say this. Tip your waiters and waitresses. But like, really? Do it. Um, we, we would like to thank Julia Argy, Jen Stark, Nikki Zoltan, Nick Bowl, our amazing musician tonight. For composing our theme, Melissa Bartholomew, Kenny Janae, our essay winner, our beloved Stephanie Purcell, our professor and mentor, Rosie Hosking, who came up with the title of the show, Mike Motia, Matt Potts, who are both here as well. Tesley Deal for designing the beautiful slides. The amazing reading group that got this all started. And most importantly of all, all of you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for coming.